This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. And I think especially in the early days of your ministry, you want to be touching on as many books of the Bible as possible so that you are getting a more in-depth study than you've ever gotten before, even in your preparation at seminary. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I'm Jonathan Master, joined by my co-host, Dr. James Dalzell. And just to paint the picture for you, for our listeners, you can't see this situation that we're in, but we are in the office of the senior minister at 10th Presbyterian Church, Dr. Liam Gallagher. And we have actually, in the great tradition of people who were kidnapped and, and ordained, we have sort of kidnapped Liam and stuck a microphone in his face against his will And he's been with us before, though, so he knows what to expect, and it is a a genuine privilege to count him as a friend and to have some time with him today. He may be known to some of you not only as the pastor of 10th Church, but also through his recent writing and preaching on the Trinity. And in fact, stay tuned until after the interview to find out how you might receive a free copy of his CD set entitled The Trinity, The Eternally Divine Son which is also available for purchase via Reformed Resources. Liam is here today, though, to discuss something that every pastor knows something about, and most people in congregations may have experienced as well, and anyone really who teaches the Bible may have experienced, and that's the idea of preaching or teaching hard texts, difficult texts from the Scriptures. Liam, thanks for agreeing to have your arm twisted and sit in front of us. I think agreeing perhaps wasn't the word, but I'm here. You're here. You're here. <laughs> you're, you're, you're speaking, and we're, and we're grateful, and our listeners are grateful. So, preaching hard texts, I want to start by asking this. Why is it important for a pastor not simply to stick to texts of Scripture and topics of Scripture that are familiar and that are sort of in his wheelhouse? Why is it important for pastors to make sure to preach even very difficult texts. Yeah, I would say it's actually important for pastors to start doing that as early as they possibly can, just to stretch themselves. Mm. Part of the reason is that our people are reading these texts and can't understand them. And if they think for one moment we're avoiding handling them, then it undermines our integrity in their eyes. So that's, that's one reason. I think the second reason is many of these hard texts are absolutely vital in terms of building up our understanding of doctrine, um, key doctrines of the faith. If we keep on avoiding them, then we're not giving people the the raw material out of which they can construct um, a Christian system in their head. Uh, and many of these hard texts address issues which are cutting edge in the lives of our congregation or in the broader Christian world. So I think they're a priority. We We mustn't avoid them. The first thing you said was, pastors should start this early. I mean, this should be part of their regular practice. And I've heard some people say, you know, wait to preach these difficult things until much later on in your ministry. Uh, you know, wait to preach maybe the book of Revelation, wait to preach the book of Romans, something where there's this great doctrinal depth. But you're saying, no, you know, go to it right away. If you're going to have a lifetime of ministry, I think you should you should start early on having a goal. Even if you make up your mind you know, I'm not going. This is not going to be the definitive work on Revelation or whatever it might be, but to force yourself to test the waters, it makes you. It makes you read. I wouldn't do it in minute depth, the Lloyd Jones approach. I would probably take a, a bigger picture of, of, say, the Book of Revelation. But it's one way of learning it yourself. It's one way of getting your head around it, so that you can return to it later on. 
And I think especially in the early days of your ministry, you want to be touching on as many bits of the Bible as possible so that you are getting a more in-depth study than than you've ever gotten before, even in your preparation at seminary. You're forcing yourself to look at texts that that are difficult, and, and I think that stretches you spiritually. Let me jump in and ask the question about difficult text in this way. Um, what makes a text difficult? And I, I'll kind of maybe inflect that a little bit in that some texts I find difficult because the concept of the idea is difficult. I'm thinking of uh, Paul writing to the Galatians, talking about the two women who are two co- these two mountains and these two women are two covenants. And I'm thinking difficult conceptually. There are texts like that that are difficult and other ones that seem difficult, partly because they seem completely unexotic, great Andronicus and Unius and, you know, et cetera. In other words, what makes a text difficult to preach? Yeah, I was going to ask you that question. What text were you talking about? I've never come across any. But um, <laughs> I think probably there are texts which everybody doesn't preach. There, there are texts people have, there are subjects people avoid, and you can tell they avoid them. You look at commentaries, you and you look, you read the commentary, and you think this commentator has avoided this. He, mm. He's given a kind of overview of it, and he's thrown in some different views, but he's not really come down in one place. I think there, there are some of those passages. I well, let me just. You were discussing eternal generation, and when you think about some of the texts for eternal generation, there's a great passage in Proverbs, which is about wisdom and so on. That is a massive text. I just preached on it at Christmas time. And it it's a text waiting a resolution. It's one of those texts in waiting that, uh, that Joseph Ratzinger talks about in his work. And it's waiting for the incarnation, effectively. And we should go to those kind of places early on, I think, and try and so get our heads around them. Two quick comments. Our attentive listeners will note that in a conversation, which probably aired a little while ago, but we just recorded recently with Fred Sanders, I said, I've never heard a Christmas sermon on Proverbs 8. But here we are, Liam Gallagher, of course, has preached a Christmas sermon on Proverbs 8. But so you're saying, go to those texts that are difficult, go to them early, and in your mind, go after the things that other people are avoiding. Is that part of what you're, you meant with the commentary? Yeah, so if people want to, you to preach on Revelation. Why don't you preach on Revelation? I mean, Revelation is one of the great books of the Bible. It is... It fortifies the people of God for the struggle we have against the world, the flesh, and the devil day by day. It strengthens the arms of the church in times of persecution. It has exalted views of the Son of God in all his majesty and glory. It, it's insight into, into theology proper, into the doctrine of the Trinity. is incredible. It points us to the, the movement of history towards its final end the final judgment, the new heavens and new earth. It describes spiritual warfare in the most magnificent terms. Why should we avoid early on preaching it? Even if you do it in big chunks, have you, getting an overview. Have you ever looked back, though, and said, boy, I wish I hadn't tried, you know, no. tried doing that my second year as a pastor because I, I would preach it totally differently today? Oh, I think that's right. But you're developing. And it's getting into the text that helps you to eliminate all the things that you would get them over with young and, <laughs> and, and 
keep coming back to it, keep coming back to it, refining it, getting it better. I mean, because I don't think you ever get to a place where you're absolutely all set up to do something. That's what Paul says to Timothy, let your progress be evident to all. I think sometimes, wouldn't you say that there's an expectation that you are going to have every nuance buttoned down in your position, ready to go to print almost, you know, for time and memorial before you head into a book. And I think most of us who've preached through a book, we know that by the end of the book, we think back to the sermons with which we began the book, and we see nuances, even important nuances that we completely missed in preaching it. But what would you say to the young man or even seasoned preacher who perhaps is scared off of a text, not simply because it's difficult, but because there's this sense that he must attain to some certain theological certitude in his own mind before he commences? How certain do you have to be yeah, of exactly I, your that's eschatological a, That's a position? very good question. I mean, I, I think I shifted eschatologically in my first church. I started my ministry preaching in Romans in the morning, and then for the, for the fall uh, series, I did uh, individual sermons on the coming Antichrist Russia in prophecy. Are, there, are those available? <laughs> those, are those recordings available? Those recordings are available. Those available. We're going to give those away, not the Trinity ones. And, and then the midweek, I started doing Daniel. I started preaching my way through Daniel as a dispensationalist, basically. I mean, I was reformed yeah. in every other sense, but, but not this way. And it was in preaching through Daniel. As I went through Daniel, I realized if I did not have the dispensationalist books, I would not be getting out of Daniel what they're getting out of Daniel. And when I let Daniel speak for himself, I started to look around Scripture. I I shifted my theological stance Mm -hmm. right there. And how did you handle that within the context of the church? I mean, was this now, decades later, you can sort of think through it, but were there points where you sort of got up and said, you know, actually, I'm not so sure? No, I never said that. I don't, th- I, don't, I don't think you ever say to the congregation, I'm not so sure. I think you, you can do that because that's not helping them, really. That's right. destabilizing them. But I do think you can encourage them to think that we're learning together here. We're in this project of studying the Word and allowing the Word to change our views and things, to change us. And one of the ways it changes us is to change, to change our views. What about controversy? Um, we talked about hard texts, and you made some good distinctions, and James made some good distinctions. You know, there are different ways to think about that, hard to understand, hard to preach, but also you alluded to just difficult issues, controversial issues, things that are hard to swallow. How do you come at topics in your preaching where you know there are people in the congregation who just are going to have a difficult time absorbing this because of the culture of the day or because of the place they're coming from? I mean, how do you seek to balance kind of telling them what it says and and also helping them through it pastorally? Yeah, I think the pastoral side of it is over, over, overstated, really. I think when it comes to controversy, you have to state the truth. If, it's, if the truth is clear, if the truth is the united view of the church— you know that without any shadow of that, this is the this is the view. I mean, you don't make apologies for that. You have to preach that to the people. When I went from Ireland to Canada, I started preaching through the Sermon on the Mount, I think it was, and then in the evening, Zechariah. And I knew perfectly well that there were groups of people in the church who were dispensationalist, and there were, and they objected to the leadership that I was preaching the uh, 
Sermon on the Mount, which did not belong to this age, it belonged to the Kingdom Age, and that I was trying to preach the gospel from Zechariah, which is a Jewish book. So <laughs> those people kindly exited the church, which, you know, is always a positive thing. And I'm sure they blessed somebody else. But I think you have to not be afraid of the consequences of having to state things clearly. Do you think we probably err more on the side of fear? Yeah, we um, fear men rather than God. Yeah. So I want to ask you this, Liam. I'm going to really turn the screws here because we've already put you in the chair Song of Songs. Maybe by the time this airs, there'll be multiple uh, recordings of your Song of Songs sermons. But but you and I had a conversation. In fact, this is actually what spurred on my wanting to talk with you more about this. You're preaching now Song of Songs. Is this the first time you've preached through it? It is the first time ever. I, I thought I You avoided it? I wouldn't say I avoided it. When I was a young preacher, before I became a minister, actually, when I was 15 or 16, I was going around. I had a sermon from Song of Songs. I think it was Spurgeon's sermon first, but it, but I, <laughs> it somehow became I, yours. It became mine, and I think I preached it better than he did. But anyway, <laughs> um, but then I never touched it really uh, up until last Sunday was the first one. There you go. Yeah, and uh, so we'll see how it goes. Is so, it is it difficult for you at this point in your ministry? Uh, n- not really. I think actually because I've made up my mind what position I take mm. and. Uh, and I've seen all the other positions come and go, you know. The view that it's a sex manual or a marriage manual or, or whatever it is. They've all come gone. They've had their time on the stage and, and they've been they've been jettisoned, I think. And there is I don't know why I'm doing it now, but I think there is today more of a more of an openness to, to rediscovering the classical approach. So last question, Liam. I'm wondering for someone starting out in the ministry or starting out teaching the Bible are there books you'd recommend on preaching or on teaching the Bible that you think really point people in the right direction? I know we're moving from preaching hard text to just preaching and teaching in general, but I think a lot of this is going to apply to someone who is a, is a Bible teacher or starting out teaching the Bible and encountering these things that are either uncomfortable or, or hard to get at. So what's your uh, go-to? Lloyd Jones' Preaching and Preachers is still good and worthy, I think, and, and gives help in these areas. He addresses some of these areas in it. Um, Stott on preaching does, to some degree... The Between Two Worlds. Between Two Worlds. Yeah. Um, I actually stopped reading books on preaching very early on because every one I read depressed me, and I don't think any of them actually ever helped me. Now, they depressed you, why? Because you felt as if well, you, were, you weren't doing what you should be doing? Well, yes, because they all told me, they all told me to do something different. And I think... <laughs> Yeah, they just discouraged me. They didn't really encourage me. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to find your own voice, and I think you find your, your own way, ultimately. Yeah. Some of us need more help than others, I suppose. Well, I would count myself among those who need more help than others, and uh, thanks for your time today, Liam. Really appreciate it. <laughs> really appreciate your willing spirit. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to Theology on the Go. As I mentioned at the outset, for those of you who are interested in receiving a free CD set from Dr. Liam Gallagher, the CD set is entitled The Trinity, the Eternally Divine Son. And you can get that by going to placefortruth.org, clicking on the Theology on the Go link, and then there'll be a, a menu option there for you to enter for a chance to win that. We're grateful for your listening, of course, but also the Alliance is supported by 
listeners like you. So if you're able to make a donation to the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, you can do that via placefortruth.org. And on behalf of my co-host, Dr. James Dahls, I'll thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.